0: Chapter 4. Strength to Strengths. More focus on strengths, less focus on weaknesses. I hate performance reviews. No, hang on, let me rephrase. My granny taught me never to say hate, so how about I intensely dislike performance reviews. Not in 20 or so years of working have I ever had what I consider to be a good one. Not once do I recall leaving one of these dreaded meetings, walking on air, re-energized, feeling like I could change the world. Not surprising, really, because the majority of the time allocated for this forced and awkward interaction was spent discussing my development areas, corporate speak for what I really sucked at. Spending time focusing on my hopeless admin and underwhelming IT skills can do that. I acknowledge I may be unemployable now, but I wasn't always that way. Neither was I a serial underperformer. My sole caveat is that as a recovering perfectionist, I may have reacted to performance reviews more severely than most. Now that I have a little distance from the performance review debacle, I've come to the conclusion that it's not so much the actual performance review that I find so detestable, but rather the ideology that it's predicated on, that somewhere out there, perfect 10 employees actually exist, scoring 10 out of 10 in every measurable area, meeting every rigorous standard of the job profile, delivering perfectly every time. The unspoken assumption, of course, is that with enough of these perfect tens, we should have the perfect organisation, shouldn't we? I don't even have to urge us to wake up and smell the coffee. Great companies are not an amalgamation of perfect tens. Instead, they are built on the unique strengths and talents, and flaws, of the people working there. Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk and Richard Branson are unlikely perfect ten candidates. Have they changed the world? Most definitely. And yet still, we persist, looking to fix what's wrong rather than looking to build on what's right. This is the medical model. Identify pathogen or weakness, fix pathogen or weakness, live happily and healthily ever after. It works fine for cells under a microscope, but it is hardly appropriate for the complex web of emotions and intelligences – That make us human. It's the opposite of how we are wired to work at our best. What we focus on grows. Ever noticed how when you're considering buying a new car, you suddenly seem to notice a lot of that particular make on the road? Or that when you ponder about a relationship or friendship, either positively or negatively, you seem to come across evidence to confirm your thoughts? Or that if you focus on your blessings, more blessings appear. It's not some kind of voodoo. It's a demonstration of the principle that what we focus on grows, which is the foundational principle of appreciative inquiry. Right now, in South Africa, we're seeing this movie playing out before our eyes. In the absence of a compelling story of our united future, we are focusing on and finding evidence of our differences, which then play out as racism, victimhood, hopelessness, and blame. The more we focus on this, the more it grows. A sad contrast to the Rainbow Nation's miraculous transformation narrative that we focused on and thus perpetuated during the Medeba years. In companies, the what we focus on grows principle thrives. Sadly, left unchecked, Most people focus on the negative, resulting in predominantly negative corporate conversations. Without dismissing the real issues that need fixing, leaders can improve the situation by deliberately refocusing the employee's attention to individual and corporate strengths, what they and the business are good at, and what they can build on. At Thinkspiration, we help clients put this into practice with a simple exercise – At the end of each working day, the leader of the business reflects on and captures three good things that happened that day. Below are some observations from the managing director of one of our clients. The three good things a day exercise has been a real revelation. In the midst of an extremely challenging period for me personally, the unthinkable happened. We had a fatality which had a profound impact on my own and the corporate morale. In trying conditions, there haven't been big wins. However, journaling about three good things meant that I went to bed positive in the knowledge that my efforts had made a difference. I realized that what feels good often has to do with our or my people and my interactions with them. I also came to realize that what makes a day good is in large part due to interaction with my family, which reinforces the fact that I need to balance my time. Some other realizations. What happens to me is not as important as the meaning I assign to what happens to me. Writing in general helps me disentangle my thoughts. It helps me to discern the difference between the forest and the trees. Most importantly, I've become aware that employees at all levels keep a close eye on me and take their cue from my positive or negative disposition. For me, Being able to close the day on a positive note helps me to start the next day with a positive attitude. Some years ago, I came across a Tom Peters blog on change, where in typical style, he dismissed the need for a company-driven systematic change rollout and advised companies to rather A. Identify areas or people who have already changed, no matter how small these may be. B. Focus on these. And then C, find more. To focus on what's working and watch it grow. So simple and so effective. The case for and benefits of a strengths-based approach are compelling. Again, research supports common sense. In companies that adopt a strengths-based approach, engagement levels are 59% higher than average. Productivity Is 31% higher, employees experience 23% fewer health related issues, and creativity triples. What if? I've practiced the strengths based philosophy for a number of years and observed the amazing results. But convincing leaders who are used to fixing the problem to change their minds is not easy. In almost every conversation, I'm confronted by fear. What if we overpraise our people? Won't people get complacent if you talk about how good they are? What about the weaknesses? Won't they creep up on us when we are not looking and decimate us? I've come to the conclusion that we cling to our deficiencies, insecurities and weaknesses because they're our comfort zones. We also equate a strengths focus with pride and boastfulness which many of us have been taught is a sin worse than death. That's where the subtlety and delicacy of this approach must be appreciated. It's not about ignoring weaknesses. Of course we need to note them, neutralize them, or make a plan within the team to leverage one member's strengths to supplement another one's weaknesses. The same goes for knowing and focusing on one's own strengths. This is not for comparative, competitive, I'm better than you, purposes. Quite the contrary. If we know who we are, where our unique strengths lie, we can relax. That soul-destroying endeavor to be better than or keep up with others stops in its tracks. This Marian Williamson quote, frequently reprised by Madiba, frames our challenge. Our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate, but that we are powerful beyond measure. What would our world be like if we were able to switch our focus from our inadequacies and instead shine the spotlight on our strengths? As leaders, how can we apply this thinking? Firstly, we need to help people discover their strengths. Then we need to encourage them to share. Discovering strengths. The scientists out there might like this. There's a valid, reliable, scientifically developed tool that can measure your strengths. The Clifton StrengthsFinder at StrengthsFinder.com is an instrument that originated from one question in the Gallup Q12, which is a rigorously researched set of 12 questions about employee attitudes that Gallup has found to positively correlate with an improved return on investment. The one magic question? Do you get the opportunity to do what you do best every day? Using this question as the focal point, Gallup went on to develop the Clifton Finder questionnaire and classification, which is based on more than 2 million interviews worldwide with the best of the best in a hugely diverse array of activities, from world-class nurses to concert pianists. Initially, when I came across this, I was sceptical. It sounded a bit like the corporate version of star signs. How could a 40-minute online questionnaire know me better than I knew myself? Nonetheless, I suspended my disbelief and did it, and was dumbfounded when I received my analysis. Reading that report felt like Gallup had really gotten inside my head. We did the Clifton Strengths Finder with our entire team, and I've since recommended it to clients. The feedback is always that it's spot on in terms of accuracy. If the scientific approach doesn't appeal, there's much to be gained by simply reflecting personally and with colleagues on what each individual believes his or her strengths are. We regularly facilitate these types of strengths conversations for our clients and without fail, leaders come away from the sessions with new insight, knowledge and regard for the individuals who report to them. Spend a bit of time, listen attentively and you discover that inside the cleaner, cashier, rock drill operator you see, there may be a passionate baker, leader or event arranger just dying to get out. These discussions work well at every level, especially among minimum wage employees where a conversation about strengths gets their eyes to light up in a way that even their pay packets cannot. Sharing strengths. As opposed to weaknesses which we bury at every opportunity, strengths are made for sharing. Highlighting people's strengths makes them want to go out and do them more. Think about something you consider a personal strength. Listening, decisiveness, admin, networking. Then recall your reaction when someone asks you for help in that particular area. Do you mumble excuses or look for ways to get out of it? No. Usually, we go out of our way to do the thing that we are seen to be good at. Mostly with zero compensation. Why? Because, well... We love it. Consider the power of harnessing that kind of energy in our organizations. Another benefit of knowing each other's strengths is that it makes teams better. We all know what it's like in teams. There's Bill, who totally tunes out when it's time for ideas. Then there's Mary, looking for every practical angle why it couldn't work. What about John? itching to stop all this talking and just get out there and do something. No wonder working together is quite stressful. What relief the strengths angle can bring. Instead of fighting for us all to see it the same way, there's an acknowledgement that different perspectives and responses add value. Suddenly, a team that was stalling at every obstacle is in overdrive. The mandate to create the right culture falls squarely on a leader's shoulders. Often we define cultures of problem-solving, creativity and innovation as the ideal due to the fact that radical breakthroughs, such as television, the airplane, email, even monopoly, are the result of the collaboration of many, not the brilliance of one. The challenge is to create the culture where this kind of collaboration is possible. This is where starting with strengths becomes non-negotiable because fear, insecurity, even competitiveness have no place in such an environment. People need to feel valued and respected for their uniqueness, comfortable in their diversity. Great ideas rarely come from one profound flash of insight. Rather, it's a series of sparks that unfold across the group. If people don't feel comfortable to say what they think, no matter how silly it may sound, we risk losing the spark that may ignite the breakthrough solution. Finally, a strengths-based approach offers a viable and valuable alternative to our misconception of the all-knowing super leader. Tom Peters talks about the leadership style he sees as essential for the uncertainty of the future something he characteristically dubs DNK for do not know. He argues that it's essential for leaders to stop seeing themselves as superhumans who know everything and to start valuing the people around them. Just imagine for a moment what that world could be like. What an opportunity for followers and what a relief for leaders.